Praise the Lord. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Technical issues this morning. God be with the days when you used paper. Um, we're going to start by reading uh, 1 Samuel. Hallelujah. We were looking last week at um, the story of Samuel because I think it really gives us a focus um, in, in terms of somebody who was anointed by God. You know, we're talking about how the anointing is enough. And, you know, in, in many instances, uh, you know, people fail not because uh, they're not sincere or because they don't love God or because they're not talented or because God doesn't love them, but simply because uh, they're trying to do it in their strength and not in God's. They're trying to do it in their ability and not in God's. And so this is the difference. When we connect with the anointing of God, it, it brings us to a different level. It brings us to a different realm. It, it gives us ability beyond our own natural ability. And this is something that we see in the life of Samuel. Um, because God called him, God chose him, and the anointing of God was upon him. And so, again, um, here we read that, uh, you know, Hamlet prayed a prayer, God blessed her with a son, and, um, you know, she dedicated him to the Lord as a young boy, and, you know, it, it, the interesting thing is, is that e even though Samuel uh, was called by God, he was placed in what was quite a dysfunctional situation. And, you know, that could describe some of you today um, when you look at your life. Um, you know, maybe all your life, all you've ever known has been pain and dysfunction. And, and yet, God places Samuel, uh, you know, in, in the temple around Eli, verse 12 of chapter 2. Now, the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Um, and it says, uh, it, it talks about how they would take uh, the meat that was meant for, um, you know, the, the temple, they, uh, instead of um, allowing it to, uh, to be boiled, they wanted to take it raw. And, you know, they even went so far as saying, if you don't give it over, we're going to take it. And, uh, you know, I think this is a very strange way for, um, you know, men of God to be behaving. And um, anyway, it says, verse 17, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord for the men aboard the offering of the Lord. And so again, it's so important for us to understand that, you know, our life is an example and that if we're not walking in a way that is pleasing to God, if we're living in a way that doesn't glorify him, then we can be bringing a reproach on the gospel um, and a reproach on Christ. And so anyway, it says, uh, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. So Samuel ministered before the Lord, and this is what we need to understand, is that, you know what, Samuel was anointed because he ministered to God, and this is a secret the church needs to rediscover, um, uh, you know, because too many times, uh, let me just give you a case in point, last night I was speaking in Britannia Church, um, uh, Romanian church, they're building a beautiful church out in Blanchardstown, and um, you know, the entire church is fasting for three days, and um, I, I was speaking at a youth service, and uh, uh, in this youth service, there was a couple of hundred young people, and uh, thank you, they had been fasting and praying for, for three days, and um, uh, they're going to be finishing it today. And uh, so again, I think it's important for us to understand that, you know, for too long, the church has been based on, uh, you know, this, this idea 
certainly in recent years, that you have to uh, entertain people. And that with kids, because uh, I was a youth pastor, and um, you know this idea that you just give them pizza and let them play stupid games and try and keep them in church. I, I think God is a higher uh, calling than that. Amen. And if, the reason why we've had to focus on all these things is because we've had to substitute um, you know, entertainment for the anointing. And so I believe in these end days, God is restoring things in his church. And so God wants us to connect with the anointing, you know, whether it's little five-year-old kids or, or, you know, whether in your 80s, it doesn't matter. I believe in this day, God has an anointing for you. And, and success or failure, it will be based on whether or not you connect with the unique anointing that God has for you. You don't have to be like anybody else. Amen? I don't have to be like anybody else. It's okay if I wear a leather jacket and stand in a boxing ring because God made me me. Okay? And so, and God made you you. And so, again, this is part of the anointing. And, and, and for too long, I've seen, and let me say that there's a lot of preachers. I just can't listen to them because it's like they've come out of an assembly line and they're just preaching rehashed you know, messages from, from men that they idolize in the past and, 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 and because of that, there's nothing fresh. And, and yes, we appreciate all those who went before us. Praise God for them. But you know, I'm not gonna try and pretend that I'm that person. I'm not gonna try and just, you know, regurgitate his messages because the message he brought forth was the message that God gave to him. But you know what? God has something unique for you. He has a unique anointing for you. And that's what I'm trying to say. You don't have to try and pretend to be somebody else. God has an anointing and the anointing is enough. And that anointing is unique to you, amen? That'd be a good place to say yes in Jesus' name. Because for too long, we've brought people into church and we've tried to, you know, uh, put a cookie cutter type mentality and fit them into a little box. And, 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 and as a consequence of that, so many times people have just backslidden because invariably, you know, at best, you will be just an imitation of what people want you to be. Amen? And, and I, I, you know, I like that saying, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Okay, so God has an anointing for you. God loves you the way you are. I'm not talking about your sinful, we all have our little sinful ways that God is dealing with, but he loves you as you. He made you as you. And so when we connect to that anointing, everything changes. And so this is what we see in, in the life of Samuel is that you know uh, God revealed Samuel to the body of Christ, or rather he, to Israel, because he had a plan and he wanted to do something. It says, Samuel ministered to the Lord, even as a child, wearing a, a linen ephod. And verse 22, now Eli was very old. He heard everything his sons did to Israel, how they lay with the women. I mean, this is shocking, you know, that they were sleeping with the women who came there uh, to, to worship. And um, he, he gave them a very re weak rebuke. He says, why are you doing these things? I heard of your evil dealings. But he didn't remove them from their position. And uh, ultimately, God judged him. But verse 26 says, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and men, amen? And so Samuel, in spite of, 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 of those who were around him who weren't serving God, Samuel grew in stature, he grew in favor, but he also grew in the anointing. 
Amen. We can learn to flow with the anointing in Jesus' name. And so, again, the definition of the anointing is simply to um, smear or rub with oil, uh, typically as part of a religious ceremony. It speaks of being chosen and empowered by God to complete a particular role or task. And so, like I said, along with the anointing comes an empowering um, uh, that God gives you in order to accomplish what he's calling you to do. Judges 6 and verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Uh, this is the, 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 the story of how God revealed himself to Gideon. And, and this is the beautiful thing. God calls things that are not as though they are. God saw Gideon for what he could be as opposed to what he was. And, and I thank God for that because, you know, all of us have been there, um, uh, you know, like that country song, I have friends in low places. The reason why we have is because we've all been to low places at times in our lives. And so don't judge me by my lowest moment, amen, because God believes in me even if nobody else does. God believes in you, amen. He's not finished with you. You might have all sorts of struggles, all sorts of issues, but he's working on you, amen? Because the Bible says it's God who works in us, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, amen? So anyway, God says to, to, to Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon was hiding um, from the Midianites, and yet God says, you're a mighty man of valor. I love that, you know, that God believes in us. God anointed Gideon to bring freedom and deliverance to his people. Um, you know, it's like that saying, Come Cometh the hour, cometh the man or the woman. Judges 6.34 in the New King James, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abrezites gathered behind him. So even in the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit of God would come upon people. God would anoint them to accomplish a task. And that, that, that anointing uh, you know, included the ability, the empowerment to do what he was telling them to do. So the, Gideon, the, the, the Spirit of God came on Gideon, and uh, even though he faced a vast army of Amicalites and, and Midianites, approximately 135,000, this huge army was defeated by Gideon and 300 men, and these men weren't even holding a sword in their hand. Uh, you know, the Bible says that they were holding a, a, a trumpet, a torch, and a pitcher, which is a jar of clay. And, uh, you know, notwithstanding this, this uh, you know, strange approach, you know, the Bible says the, that, um, uh, you know, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And, um, you know, Gideon gave, gave the shout, they brought the picture, and the army were defeated. And so, uh, th this is the thing that we can, uh, we can look to the Lord in the midst of our, our situation, and he will give us the wisdom. Amen. He will, he will direct us forward. First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1. Now Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Here we see the anointing of Saul. So Saul was being anointed to be king. Um, chapter 11 and verse 6, and it says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. And so he rose up and, and fought the enemies of God. And so over and over again, when we see the, um, the anointing mentioned, it's always mentioned in terms of the Spirit of God coming upon a person. And so, like I said, God's Spirit will, will come upon you in a new way if you're open to connect with what he has for you. Like I said, the anointing that he has for your life, because 
because through Saul, the, the, the uh, Ammonites were defeated. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. Here we're taught, he's looking at the, uh, where David was anointed. Um, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I think that's a good, um, uh, you know, that's a, a good advice for us. Um, you know, if you want to win souls, you need to be a person of prayer. It's not a matter of just knowing the right scriptures to quote. It's not a matter of being able to just, you know, give a person a theologically correct um, uh, version of how to be saved. We need to be in prayer. We need to be praying. Amen. You need to be praying for your colleagues, for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, that God will open their heart. Because, you know, like I said, as we pray, God will open their hearts. And so, again, we must fill our flasks with oil. It's in his presence that he anoints us. Have you been with Jesus? Do you make time to, to, before you do anything else in your day, do you make time to spend in the presence of the Lord? You know, my, my, my dear friend, Philip, you know, he's a man of prayer. Um, last weekend, he drove all the way to Galway just to pray with a lady. Amen? Um, a, a family, let me just clarify. Just to pray with a family that were in need. And, um, you know, that, that's a long drive, but he did it because he, he believes in prayer and God gave them a breakthrough. Amen? And so, again, we must be people of prayer. If we want to be anointed, uh, fill your flask with oil and go. You know, uh, too many times people go without having that oil, without having that anointing, without having spent time in prayer. I discovered that as a young man when I was newly saved. I had a burden to reach people for Christ. But I discovered that if I spent time praying, um, you know, I was, I was ready for the opportunities as opposed to looking back and saying, oh, that was an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, if I was praying, you know, God seemed to make people's hearts more open and receptive to what I was saying. Amen. And so, again, we must fill our flasks with oil just like Samuel. He said, I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I provided a king among his sons. And um, uh, so this is the beautiful thing. God knows exactly where you are. Amen. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. God always has a strategy. What has happened might have taken you by surprise, but it hasn't taken God by surprise. He knows the end from the beginning. And so again, you, you might be a little confused. Uh, you know, you might be a little concerned by what's going on. But remember, in the midst of the situation, God has a strategy. And if we will connect with God in prayer, if we will pour out our hearts to him, you know, he has an anointing that is suited to the need in Jesus' name. And so anyway, um, he, he said, you will anoint for me the one I name to you. Too many times we're doing things based on our ability, based on us working things out in our heads. No, we need to be in prayer. We need to be sensitive to the Lord. Amen. So it was um, uh, that uh, Samuel came, so Jesse brought his sons, and uh, it was when they came, they looked at Eliab and they said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. You know, Eliab looked like somebody on Love Island. He was tanned, and he was waxed, and he had his hair done, and he had beautiful pearly white teeth, and tall and handsome. Uh, incidentally, I don't watch that program. I'm just throwing it out there. But um, <laughs> Shiki. 
In Jesus' name, I bind you, devil. But uh, I'm just saying, you know, he, he, was, he was a good-looking dude. And, and, and uh, Samuel uh, said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And... Um, you know, we, we read on, uh, it says, uh, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so here we see that... Um, you know, even Samuel, uh, you know, was tempted, thank you, was, was tempted to uh, look at things in the natural. And if that's what you're doing this morning, then you will be discouraged, you know. Uh, but it's so important we look at things from God's perspective. That we look at things redemptively. And um, that, that we realize, you know what, God is in control. And he's still in control. And, uh, you know, that's why David said, you know, it was good for me that I was afflicted. You know, even the bad experiences, even the tough times that we have been through. And, and, you know, many of us over the last year and a half have been through some challenges. But, you know what, God is able to work all things for your good. Amen. God is, God is able to do that. And so, anyway, uh, he says, don't look at him. Um, uh, because uh, uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so Jesse called him in a dad, made him passport for Samuel. And he said, neither the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And um, Samuel said to Jesse, are there uh, all the young men here? He said, there is, remains yet one, the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for I will not, we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Um, you know what made the difference between a, 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 you know, a, a king and a shepherd was the anointing. God says, anoint him. And it wasn't until that he was anointed that he was able to start to step into his calling. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose, went to Ramah. So the spirit of God, again, we've seen it in the case uh, of Gideon, the case of Saul, in the case of David. When God anoints you, his spirit, you know, starts to work in you in, 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 a, deeper, in, in a deeper manner. You see, God anointed David... And, um, you know, the Spirit of God came on him. And you know what? When a giant called Goliath came on the scene to defy the armies of Israel, it was a young, unknown shepherd boy who took him down, not the king and not the many experienced uh, warriors that were part of his army. You see, the anointing is enough. Amen. The anointing is enough. God will anoint you to do great things. Um, Isaiah 10 and verse 27 says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. You know, God anointed Noah to build an ark. You know, I, I think it's interesting to note that the Titanic was built uh, by experts while the ark was built by amateurs. And so, again, uh, too many times we, we limit ourselves based on qualification or our ability or, or what we have in our hands. You know, uh, I, I think the difference comes when we connect with the anointing of God that, we, like I said, we step into a realm of supernatural ability. You know, God anointed Moses to deliver the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. 
You know, he anointed Abraham to father a child at 100. He anointed Sarah to, to, to be pregnant at 90. He anointed Joshua to take the land. He anointed David to bring down Goliath. He anointed Nehemiah to build up the walls. And, you know, in the natural, you know, none of these people might have been qualified to do what they were called to do. But you know what? With the calling comes the anointing. Amen? And so, again, it's important for us to grasp this because, you know, none of these people were qualified but God called and anointed them anyway. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. You see, the anointing um, of God brings an alignment with the assignment. And this is why, like I said, you've many children of God who are like the children of Israel. They're wandering around the wilderness going nowhere. Why? They've never connected with their anointing. Amen. They might be doing what they're told to do and what's expected of them. But you know what? Unless you will spend time seeking God, unless you will spend time seeking his face in his presence. Um, you know, I, I really believe that there's a separation coming in the body of Christ between ministers who are called and, 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 and ministers to whom it's just merely a career. You know, I, I think there's a, there's, there's a, there's a weight that comes with the anointing. There's a weight that comes with the calling. And, and at times it, it, it's, it's, it's terrifying to contemplate this because, again, it's a holy calling. It's a sacred calling. It's not a career. And I think, you know, it, it, this is a day where you're going to see a separation between those who really believe this message and those who don't. Because, like I said, the anointing of God brings an alignment with the assignment. God has an assignment unique to your life. And sadly, this is why... So many uh, in our generation seem so disconnected from God's purpose because like I said, you know, with the anointing comes a divine enablement and a divine assignment. And there's no amount of titles or qualifications or, or training that can take the place of the anointing because with the anointing comes the appointing. You, you can have all sorts of titles after your name. You know, sometimes I, I'm around people and they're like, I'm prophetess this and so, and I'm, I'm prophet this and that. Listen, you know, Jesus said by your fruits you'll be known. Amen. If you're a pastor, you're an apostle, you're an evangelist, you, the fruit will be there. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and this is why it's important for us, like I said, to not get so fixated on, on titles or, or whether people are not, you know, are recognizing what is there. You know, if, if you're called to do something, the fruit will be evident uh, in it, in Jesus' name. And so, anyway, with the anointing comes the appointing. And, you know, I know that I know that I know that God has appointed me to this ministry because the reality is I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, you know, when I was in Bible college uh, 20 years ago, you know, a minister uh, gave John and myself a prophetic word, um, you know, that our church would be at the center of, of culture and politics in the nation. And um, I was like, I in Jesus' name, I rebuke that, you know. Have you ever received a word and you're like, no, thank you. Um, you know, another night, the pastor of that church, he was a different minister, but he, he spoke over us that we would pastor a large church in Dublin. This was back in the late 90s and, um, you know, Nobody knew us. Nobody. We didn't have any 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 money or influence or, or any opportunities. Um, but you know what? I, I remember that night when the pastor spoke that over me. I, I was sitting there. I was in Bible school, and uh, my friend Paolo from Italy, who's hopefully he's going to be with us in the next six months or so if the restrictions are lifted. But um, you know, he started sniggering because he knew I had very different plans. I wanted to be an evangelist and travel the world like my heroes, T. L. Osborne 
Horn and Reiner Ponky and Win Souls and uh, preach the gospel. And uh, you know, I didn't know back then that you could be a pastor and win souls as well. Amen. Paul said to Timothy, who was a pastor, you know, do the work of an evangelist. Amen. So uh, again, they're not mutually exclusive callings. Uh, but but you know, anyway, like I said, when I got that word, I was like, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. Um, but you know, we came back to Ireland, and you know, God changed our hearts. He certainly changed mine because He put the desire uh, in my heart to start a Christ-centered church with a Christ-centered message. Okay, and you know, here we are, 23 years later, pastoring right here in Dublin, and we couldn't be happier because you know what happened is we connected with our anointing, and this is the problem: is too many times we get ideas in our head as to what we're meant to do, but it's when you spend time in His presence that God starts to direct you. Amen. You know, any of you remember back before cars had power steering? Any of you that old? Anybody, please. Help me out here. Okay, even theoretically. All right, the steering was very heavy because you didn't have power steering. And it was even heavier on a truck. A truck, you used to have to like, you, you, you needed to be a big, strong guy. And you were swinging out of the, the, the wheel. And um, sadly, I'm that old. Um, so, but anyway, uh, you know, the amazing thing was this. It was so hard to turn the wheel um, if it didn't have power steering when the vehicle was um, uh, parked. But you know what? Once you started to move, even if it was ever so slightly, it became easier uh, to turn the wheel. And it's the same with God. It's so many times we're in park, we're not moving, and we're saying, God, direct me. Well, you know what? Uh, begin to do the known will of God, and God will begin to reveal to you the unknown will of God. You know, I was newly saved, but I started doing the known will of God, which was I started to pray. I started to spend time in God's presence. I went out to the streets to win souls. I started telling people about Jesus. Um, you know, I, I, I started, you know, to, to, to worship and to press in. And I, I, you know, I started honoring God in my finances. I tied it even as a kid in college. I, I honored God in, in the area of my finances. And, 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 and again, if you won't honor him in that area, ultimately you won't honor him in any area. <laughs> Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. If you won't honor God with your finances, it just reveals that money has a hold on you. But you know what? When you start doing the known will of God, he, he starts to make things a little clearer. Amen? And this is why many people never really connect with the unknown will. Ne they never really connect with the anointing God has for them because they're not simply doing the basics. Because if you won't do the basics, why should God reveal anything else to you? Because again, you know, Jesus said to whom much is given, much will be required. You know, there is much expected of us. And we have to be good stewards of what God has given to us. And we need to be obedient to what God has already told us in his word. Don't be one of these people, oh, you're coming to church, oh, come on, I need a word. Give me a word. And you're going to this person and that person. Listen, you've got a book full of words. Just open it and read it, and he'll speak to you. Amen? Hallelujah. So, anyway... You know, God gave us a burden um, uh, for this city. Again, quite ironic, coming from Kerry. None of my family understand why I love Dublin, why I, I, I want to give the rest of my life here. Um, uh, but, but anyway, uh, God has a sense of humor. And, you know, within a few months of coming back in the late 90s, we were youth pastors. And, you know, we grew to love those kids. And, you know, we, we started taking 50, 60 kids, 70 kids out in the street doing evangelism, doing music, doing dance, all sorts of things, just to... to to you know, share the gospel with people, and um, uh, you know, even though I had said when I was in, in Texas, I said one night we came out of a youth service, and I, I, I remember I, I, we came out the door. I said to Joanna, "I will never be a youth pastor." 
And, you know, within six months I was, you know, God, God, God said, huh. You know, when we say, I will never be very careful, because God can be up there saying, hmm. <laughs> let, let, let's see. So, anyway, you know, the Bible says, it's God who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Let me say this, God holds the blueprints for your life. He understands everything, even when you don't understand he understands it all. He has the blueprints. And so, again, when we come into his presence, uh, he reveals it to us. And so, when he anoints you for a task, there is nothing else this side of eternity that will ever satisfy you. And that's why you have so many miserable Christians. Because they're trying, they're insisting on pursuing their own pathway. They're insisting on doing their own thing. And the Bible says the way the transgressor is hard. That isn't just referring to those who are out there in the world, you know, doing drugs or crime or whatever else. It's just simply, you know, you could be a cute old lady and, and you're resisting God, you know. You're resisting him. You're full of unforgiveness or you're refusing to, to, to do what God wants you to do, however small that may be. So again, it's important that we say yes to God's plan because his plan is best. Philippians 2.13, um, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. The new living. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The ESV. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thank you, Jesus. And the Brian Bible. For God is the one working in you, both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. So how many of you believe that God is working in you? Amen. God is working in you. Even in the midst of the struggles or the situations or the circumstances, God is working in you and he is working on you. And uh, th this is why it it it's important to understand that we serve a God who knows the end from the beginning. And, and that's why we don't have to fear the past, the present, or the future, because the one who in his wisdom appoints tasks and positions to men and women um, uh, knows the end from the beginning. And remember, he, it's, uh, God as God has the right to do that because it's his church and it's his, his kingdom. Amen? And so, uh, uh, again, it seems at times that there are those who are appointed uh, by men and not by God. And, and sadly, this is one reason I believe why the church has been so ineffective at times. Because we have put people into positions based on uh, ability or titles, qualifications. Um, uh, but remember, you know, God can qualify the called. Amen. You mightn't have the qualifications, but uh, Paul said of to Timothy, um, the same, commit thou to faithful men who will be able. He didn't say commit to qualified men or qualified. He said commit to faithful men, people that can be trusted, people who have character. Amen. And they will be able, i.e., they might not have the ability right now, but they can learn. A skill can be learned, character can't. Character is something you have or you don't. Okay? We need to be people of character. We need, to be, we need to be focused on being a person of character. Don't focus on trying to get a title or a position. Focus on yourself. Focus on being a person of character. Amen. So, anyway, um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. You know, I believe this is one reason why, you know, church leaders at times have been so silent with regards to the challenges we faced over the last year. Because this is the reality. A manager manages and a leader leads. 
And, and so, if you've been put in a position whereby you're, uh, you know, uh, simply a, a hireling or a manager, where this is not a calling, it's a career, um, you're not going to put yourself in a position uh, where you're going to be exposed. And, you know, let me say this with all respect. The church doesn't need polite managers. It needs prophetic leaders who are willing to say what needs to be said, irrespective of where they end up as a consequence of saying that. We need to be obedient to God. We need to be prophetic leaders and we need to step into this anointing that God has for us. Because let me say, whether you realize it or not, look around your world. The world has changed. And therefore, we need to connect with the anointing that God has for us now. You know, and so as a pastor, I'm not trying to recreate the church we had a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. No, there's a church of today. Amen. There's an anointing for today. And if we will connect with it, we will go out and change the world and turn it upside down just like they did back 2,000 years ago in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. So anyway, um, you know, is there not a cause? And, and so when you've been appointed by God, you know you're accountable to God. And you're not going to be so worried about what people think. You know, I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning, so you know, forgive me if, it's been, if I've been a little scattered this morning. But you know, I, I've been up since, since early, and I've been seeking the Lord and, 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 and praying. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm just very mindful, like I said, of, of, of there's, a, uh, there's a weight to, to what we are doing in this day and age. It's different to what it was a year ago. I mean, I feel that weight, I feel that responsibility, and it's, it's, it's uh, something that can cause you to, to, to tremble. And uh, Because let me say this, as a pastor, I'm accountable to God for the gifts that he has given to me. Let me say this, and so are you. You're accountable to God for the gifts that he's placed on the inside of you. And some of you right now, you're not flowing in your gifting. You're not flowing in your anointing. You're doing what you want, not what he wants. You know, the Bible says that as pastors, we'll be held to a higher standard. <laughs> it's, it's sobering. It's sobering. And it makes you realize there is a tremendous responsibility to what you do as a pastor. But you know what? In the larger scheme of things, the reality is we're all accountable to God for the gifts that he has given to us. Are you using your gifts for God's glory? Are you doing your best to honor him? Are you doing your best to put God first in your life? Because the last thing this world needs is more selfish Christians who are just cut off from the world that is around them and who are oblivious to the needs of those who surround them. Because let me tell you something, we are surrounded by pain and brokenness and dysfunction and heartache. You know, young people overdosing, committing suicide. And in many instances, we're more focused on having a good time in church than with actually making a difference in the world in which we live. Jesus has us here for a reason. Praise God, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to walk in the streets of gold and we're going to hear the angels singing and we're going to experience God's glory and that's wonderful. But you know what? There is work to be done. Night cometh when no man can work. We must work now while we have the time, while we have the opportunity and while we still have the freedom because whether or not you realize that we're seeing all sorts of authoritarian leaders rising up around the world. And I tell you something, looking at what's happening in Australia right now, it would put the hair standing up in the back of your head. When you have men and women that are not elected, they didn't get one vote, and yet they're making decrees that are affecting millions of people and nations, that's very, very sobering. And we need to be in prayer. And we need to be doing what we can while we can. 
Because we do not know how long we have. We do not know how long it will be before we see Jesus. But all I know is this, this world is not ready to stand before him. Hallelujah. First Timothy 1 and 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. The new living. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me the strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. You see, with the anointing comes both the, the appointing and the empowerment. You know, Jesus said this, by their fruits you will be known, in Matthew chapter 7. And so again, if you truly are an evangelist, then signs and wonders will follow your life. You know, people are going to be led to Jesus. People are going to be healed. People are going to be delivered. You're not going to be one of these people saying, well, you know, maybe cancer is God's will. God's teaching you something. No, you're going to say, come over here, lay hands on them. They're going to get healed in Jesus' name. Amen. For too long, we've talked about miracles and we haven't actually walked in them. You know, the, you know I remember, you know, a number of years ago going to, to, to crusades in, 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 in London. And uh, I remember being at, at some Benny Hinn crusades. Man, the people would nearly, they, they, trying to get through the doors, they would walk over you to get to the front seats. I mean, it was wild. But you know, the Bible never said that we're to follow signs. The Bible said signs were to follow us. How do we get this all backwards? Signs are meant to be following us as believers. We need to be believing for those healings, those deliverances, those divine appointments in Jesus' name. You know, whereby, you know, like I said, we need to see, you know, we have a lot of souls right now in our society. We need to see those souls becoming Paul's. But the thing that will make a difference is when they encounter the anointing, when they encounter Jesus, when you're not just, you know, speaking words, but when what you're saying is impacting their heart. Amen. And that's not going to happen until we as the church get on our knees and pray. Amen. We must enter into a new place of prayer in Jesus' name. You know, we see here in Acts chapter 8, and um, I, I really haven't got out of the introduction today, so we'll, we'll, I promise we'll get to the points next week. I have some really nice points, but we're just not getting very far. But it says, uh, verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. Amen. He didn't preach social justice. He didn't preach communism, socialism, feminism, or any other ism. He preached Jesus. And as the church, we need to stop trying to, you know, uh, virtue signal our woke credentials and get back to preaching the gospel. You are a sinner. If you die without Jesus, you will go to hell. That's the politically incorrect truth. Let's preach the gospel. Plus, God loves you. <laughs> Sorry. Hallelujah. God loves you you're going to go to hell if you die without Jesus. It says he went and he preached Christ to them. He preached Christ. Let's get back to the simplicity of the gospel. Because the Bible says that God confirms that message with signs and wonders following. And it says he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There was great joy because the gospel was being proclaimed, but not only was it being proclaimed, it was being demonstrated. 
Amen. We must demonstrate the gospel. We must demonstrate the gospel with signs and wonders in Jesus' name. This is what we must do. And this is why I believe God is calling us to go beyond where we have been. Amen. To press in. Amen. Because we're called to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium, as the phrase goes. But, you know, Jesus called the disciples. He said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. So if you're following Jesus, you're going to be winning souls. If you're following Jesus, you're going to be praying for other people. You're going to be reaching out to people. Amen. It's, you know, wonderful we had an outreach on Saturday. But again, outreach is not something you do for two hours on a Saturday. Outreach, I believe, is a, a lifestyle. It's something that we need to live. It's something that, you know, that we live and breathe for souls because God does. Because God's heartbeat is for souls. God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. It doesn't say that God, you know, called a, 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 you know, a, a, a minority and, and, and took them up to heaven to be special people. No, it says God so loved the world. God wants them all. He wants the broken. He wants the addict. He wants the prostitute. He wants everybody. Those who are, are far from him today, we as the church must get on our knees and pray. And then we must, like Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. Connect with the anointing God has for you. And go. The last words of Jesus were go into all the world. How can we misunderstand what Jesus said? Go. Hallelujah. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You know, the Bible says, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus. With the Holy Spirit and power, he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Like I said, there are so many people around us who are oppressed by the devil. They are tormented. They're tormented with addiction and dysfunction and abuse and heartache and depression, despair. All of these issues that are going on in their lives. And we have the answer. And I believe the breakthrough will come when everybody in the body of Christ gets that revelation. I am God's instrument. I am God's vessel. And, and just like, uh, you know, Isaiah cried out, here am I, send me. Yes, Lord, I'm not perfect. I, I still struggle in areas, but you know what? Use me, send me, lead me, speak through me, heal through me, deliver through me, love through me. Lord, make me a vessel of your love. But in order to do that, we have to push aside all of these, you know, selfish ambitions and plans and agendas that we have. You know, for some of you, God will use you tomorrow, but you're going to have to turn off your phone. You're going to have to get out of Facebook and get back into his book. We, we, need, to, we need to adjust our lives. We, some of you, you're going to have to get out of bed a little bit earlier in the morning and spend some time with the Lord. The Bible says they took note that they, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, saw they were uneducated, untrained men, they took note that they had been with Jesus. You know, too many of you, you've been with Instagram. You've been with the Kardashians. You've been with Billy Bob or whoever else on Influencer, whatever the hell that is. We need to get back into his book. This book will speak to you. This book will change you. This book will convict you. This book will transform you. This book will fill you. So that when you speak, there is weight behind your words. When you speak, people will sense your love for them. Because it's something that you have gotten in the secret place. You can't get it in a course. You can't download it. You can't buy a CD. It is something that you will only get on your knees. You know, I think it was uh, 
was a char. Uh, thank you, Jesus. George Whitfield, the great uh, British preacher. There was a, a contemporary of his who was a, a, a famous um, actor, uh, in, a, you know, in the theater. And he said, oh, to be able to say, oh, like George Whitfield. He, he understood, even as an actor, that, 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 that George Whitfield wasn't just speaking words. They, it was spoken with such a degree of passion and, and, and pathos and, and, and compassion and love that, that he could feel those words himself. And he said, oh, that I would be able to, to speak like this man. But you see, that actor wasn't connected to the God that Whitfield was connected to. He, he didn't have the anointing that Whitfield had. You see, when we connect with our anointing, something supernatural happens. And people will feel the difference. Remember something, you know, too many times, you, you know, people re reject what we're saying, not because uh, of the words we're declaring, but because we're not really convincing them. And, and that con conviction can only come from heaven. It doesn't come, like Paul said, by eloquence or, or any of these words. He said, you know, I want to preach Christ and him crucified. But Paul had been with Jesus and people could tell. The disciples had been with Jesus and people could tell. And so I'm just simply imploring you as the church, I believe we can step into revival. I believe we can see a great awakening. But firstly, we have to change. Judgment begins in the house of God. Let's stop pointing our fingers at each other and at the world. And let's get back to getting on our knees and praying and interceding and crying out to God for a lost and a broken generation in Jesus name <laughs> hallelujah how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil you see the anointing will always send you the anointing will always bring you out of your comfort zone the anointing will always bring you to others you know, William Booth, you know, one, every year he used to send uh, the guy who founded the Salvation Army back when it was used for salvation, when they, they had a burden for souls. But, you know, he, he used to send a message um, to all of the various uh, Salvation Army offices around the world at Christmas. And um, he wanted to send an inspirational message. And uh, back then it was sent by, um, uh, I can't even remember, what, what's the name of that thing where you? Telegram. Yeah, it was sent by telegram. And so you were charged per letter. And so his inspirational message that Christmas was others. Isn't that so contrary to the spirit of our age? You know, we're such a narcissistic, selfish, self-absorbed generation. We're just, it's, it's all about me, me, me. But you know what? God wants to change our heart. And he wants to, to put others in our heart. Whereby, you know what? You start praying for people who can never do anything for you. You start praying that, you know, for your colleagues, your friends, your neighbors, your, your family, that God's going to start, you know, bringing them to him, that he's going to reveal himself to them, that he's going to bless them. Instead of, you know, too many times our prayer life doesn't go beyond, you know, me and my requests and my desires. Here you go, I want this, that, and the other. Thank you very much. No, no, we have to change. We have to change. God anointed Jesus, and God has anointed you. And the devil is terrified of the thought that we as the church would one day connect with the anointing that God has for us. You know, you might be a mom at home, and you say, well, what can I do? God has an anointing for you to be a mom. 
You know, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a company or a mother of a, a little baby. You know, each are equally important. Let's get over this idea of sacred and secular. You know, there is no, there is no sacred-secular divide. If you're called to be a businesswoman or a businessman or a teacher, or whatever you're called to do, there is a sacred aspect to that calling because that is something God has placed in you. And when you connect with that, you become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You know, there's, how can I know what I'm anointed for? Well, a light bulb comes on on the inside of you. When you're connected to something that's from God, a light bulb comes on. You know, for me as a young man, when, when I started to preach, something, it's like a light bulb was switched on. I said, yes, I was made for this. I didn't have a whole lot to preach because I didn't know very much, but I knew there was something there. And so, in the same way, you know what? The devil is terrified that you and I will connect with the anointing God has for us. Mark Twain said this, as the worship group come forward. The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Have you taken time in the presence of God to say, Lord, why? Why am I here? Why have you made me the way you have made me? Why have you given me the particular gifts that I have? Lord, help me to find my place in church, find my place in life. The day you find out why you were born. The day you discover your anointing is the day you discover why you were born. Because again, as I've said over the last few weeks, the anointing is enough. And anything less will never be enough. Amen? That's why there are many men and women in the Bible that we could focus on. But like I said, over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Samuel. And I'm sorry I didn't get any further, but, but maybe we needed to just, you know, uh, just move some, some things out of the way because we're a very distracted generation. And I believe over this coming week, you know, every one of us can, can set some time, time aside to, to pray. And I would encourage you to fast, even if it's only fasting a meal. You know, John, Wes John Wesley would never, um, uh, he would never accept a man to go forth and preach um, uh, as part of his movement unless he committed to fast twice a week. Because you know what, when you fast, you know what you're doing? Fasting isn't about the food. It's about the hunger. It's, it's, it's about your hunger for God. You know, I woke up this morning at 4 o'clock because I was, I was hungry. <laughs> Couldn't go to sleep, but I was hungry. But you know, the Lord started to speak to me about the importance of being hungry for Him. Being hungry for Him. And I would encourage you this week, even if you just take 10 or 20 minutes in the morning before you go to do what you have to do. We all have things we have to do. But you know what? Let's make time for God. Let's make time to spend in His presence, not with an agenda, not God, I need this. I need, yes, he, he knows what you need before you even ask him. I've discovered with the Lord that when you come into his presence, he, he, he starts to bless you with things you didn't even ask for because he loves you. You're his child. I love getting things from my kids. You know, my little boy, Joshua, you know, he's always, he's always, <laughs> he came to me the last day and, you know, I, I buy him these little football cards and whenever I see them in the shops, I bring them home and he can never have enough of them. But you know, he, he designed this one, uh, the company that makes them apparently, um, of course, you know, they discovered they can make money by, you know, the kid can design their own one with him in the, on the card. And, uh, but you know, he came to me the last day and asked me for these things. I, I, 
you know, I, I don't know if it's being a good dad, but I, I love, you know, of course, there's a balance, you know, but I love getting things for my kids. You know, m- m- my teenage daughter, it's different. She'll want clothes or my son, it's clothes, or, you know, whatever. But, but you know what? It's beautiful. For me as a father who is, I'd like to say I'm a good father, a great father. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I want to be a better father. I want to do my best. But you always feel that you can do so much better. But you know what? For me, in spite of my failings and shortcomings, that I as a, as a father want to bless my children, how much more does your heavenly father who is perfect? And the Bible says God is love. He, he loves you. He loves you. God wants to bless you. But part of that blessing is you connecting with your calling. And, and sometimes, like the saying goes, you have to step off a dead horse. You need to just have the discernment to know, you know what, just because you can do something doesn't mean you're anointed to do something. And so when we connect with that calling, when we connect with God's purpose, everything changes. I'd like you to stand to your feet today. You know, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, Truly, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And um, could we just lift our hands, just acknowledge the presence of the Lord here today. You know, in spite of my stuttering and I believe God is speaking to us because when we talk about prayer if we approach it from the perspective of obligation or legalism we've missed what God wants to do prayer is simply an opportunity to meet with your father it's an opportunity to meet with your maker the one who loves you perfectly the one who understands you even when you don't understand yourself You see, when we come into our presence, when we come into God's presence, when we come into His presence, we're not going to be fearful of what people think about us or say about us. We're not going to be fearful of the various agendas that may be at play or whether or not the Antichrist or this or that or the other. You know what? It's in His presence that we lose all fear. It's in his presence that things start to make sense. And, and you know, just through this message today, I just believe God is just inviting every one of you into a deeper walk with him. You know, the book of Ezekiel talked about how the water, he stepped in and it was up to his ankles. And then he stepped in, it was up to his knees. And he stepped in, it was up to his waist. And finally, it was so deep that he had to swim. He, he, he could no longer find the bottom with his feet. And this is what God is inviting us to do in these days. You know, because we're witnessing society coming apart at the seams. The breakdown of the family, the breakdown of trust and authority of, you know, the rise of authoritarian government, all sorts of of malevolent agendas at play. But you know what? I, I believe in this day and age, God is asking us to take our eyes off these things. And like the Bible says, looking onto Jesus. 
So let's, let's press in this week. And I believe we can have a glorious service next week, you know, because we're going to be ready. And, and, you know, I just believe even today, God, this message has been, I haven't got very far in where I intended to go, but I believe it's part of God preparing our hearts because, you know what, it's about Him. It's about His presence. It's about us knowing Him and walking in His will. And, and you know, when we come into His presence, we start to connect with the unique anointing He has for us. And so could you just lift your hands to the Lord today and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me, for calling me, for forgiving me, for protecting me, for anointing me, for leading me, for filling me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord, to connect with the anointing. The anointing is enough. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to do it in my strength according to my wisdom or my ability. Lord, today I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to your will. I'm surrendering to your way. I'm surrendering to your spirit. Anoint me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Send me, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, could you give a shout of praise to Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Come on. You just need to give the Lord a dance. Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, worship group. 